listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Hello, you're listening to the Animal Party on Pet Life Radio. I hope you're ready to join the party. I hope you have your party clothes on because we're going to be having a great guest today. She's bringing a lot of little gappy dogs with her. That's right, Darlene Arden will be coming to the party. And she'll be explaining to you what it is that makes little dogs so different from all the other dogs, why you love them and hate them so much, what is it about those little ankle-biting, shivering, shaking little dogs that makes people react one way or another. And she truly is an expert on little dogs. She wrote the book Small Dogs, Big Hearts, and other books too. And she'll take you down to the perspective of the toy dog and uh, so we'll be talking about that with her we'll be talking about how they're misunderstood what does temperature why is temperature so crucial with them what's the deal with their breathing why is that such an issue and what are the most dangerous things for them so we've got a lot to talk about about small dogs if you ever wondered why small dogs are so annoying then you should listen to this show or if you ever wondered why they're so darn cute or maybe you have a Bichon in your family that has the infamous Bichon bladder and it peepees and whittles all over when you greet it. This is the show for you. So we'll talk about that all later. Before I get to that, I'll be going through some news items and telling you that there is new scientific research out that proves that dogs make us happy. So stay tuned. Come back after the messages from our sponsor. Come back to the party and I'll tell you why dogs make us happy. Perfume Dog Grooming and Finishing Spray is proud to be a new sponsor of Pet Life Radio. Perfume Super Long Lasting Sprays are available in four unique fragrances. Each perfume spray is fortified with the finest conditioners and detanglers to make combing out your dog more fun. Perfume retails for only $2 per 6 ounce bottle. Perfume is available nationwide at all Dollar General and Family Dollar stores. Why pay more to have your dog smell great? Pawfume, P-A-W-F-U-M-E. It's time for school for you and your friends, your furry best friends. Train your dog the fun and easy way with Teacher's Pet Sessions. Teacher's Pet host Pia Silvani teaches you step-by-step how to train your dog the fun and easy way. You get eight 30-minute live audio training sessions, complete transcripts of each session, plus a basic training manual to get you and your dog off to a great start. Training begins the moment you bring your dog home. Teacher's Pet Sessions offers positive reinforcement training to shape your dog's behavior and encourages upbeat, enthusiastic responses to ensure that your dog will enjoy learning. Teacher's Pet Sessions dog training is fun at both ends of the leash. So listen, learn, and laugh with your dog with Teacher's Pet Sessions. Get your copy of Teacher's Pet Sessions Volume 1 today. To order, go to TeachersPetSessions.com. Hi, this is Pia Salvani, your host. Bring your dog, tug toy, and treats, and get ready to have some fun. TeachersPetSessions.com. Coast to coast and around the world, it's all behave with Arden Moore. Find out why cats and dogs do the things they do, and get the latest buzz from wagging tongues and tails in Rin Tin Tinseltown. From famous pet experts and best-selling authors to television and movie stars, you'll get great tail-wagging pet tips and have a fur-flying fun time. All behave with America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore, every week on demand. This is the place for a special paparazzi treat, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Inside the VIP room. With the hottest party in town. Back to the party. Let's go! Welcome back to Animal Party. Today we're going to have on author Darlene Arden, author of the book Small Dogs Big Hearts, which is the book we're featuring today. And we'll be talking about small dogs when she joins us in just a few minutes. 
But as usual, it wouldn't be a party without a little bit of small talk. So come on over to the water bowl. Have a big slurp. Let your dog take a drink. And um, we're going to talk about some of the latest news concerning dogs. In fact, there's a new study out, which I just love, uh, which says that, and it's, it's from Japan, and it says that after playing with their dog, owners feel the same surge of emotion associated with romance or with a mother's love. And uh, the love drug, you know, which we all know about called oxytocin, that same drug you're looking for when you're trying to whelp out your own babies, when you're trying to ha- give birth to a baby or when you're a puppy and you're, you're a dog and you're trying to whelp out your puppies, that drug, oxytocin, that gives you that release from the pain, that's actually released in people when they look into the eye of their dog. So 55 dog owners and their best friends were tested during lab play sessions. And when owners locked in a gaze with their dogs for an average of 2.5 minutes during playtime, they saw a 20% spike in their oxytocin levels, which was literally measured. It's a measurable 20% spike in their oxytocin levels versus the owners who spent less than 45 seconds meeting eyes with their animals and uh, did not experience oxytocin benefits. So the so-called long gaze owners also shows that it defines your relationship and it makes sense. It makes, I mean, even just when you think about it, sometimes when you're in such a foul mood and you greet your dog at the front door, you won't engage with him. It's almost like you can't. You can't shift gears. And then if you do, you're just brought right into the moment instantly. And there's a reason for that. Now we all know there's a reason for that. It's the kind of thing that when a woman is having babies, um, naturally, when she gets to the point where she has so much pain that she thinks she can't stand it one second longer and then gets another bit of pain, even more, then the oxytocin's released. And for a few seconds or minutes even, she feels like it's really not that bad. <laughs> and then it starts again. So it's a very powerful, powerful drug if it can defeat those kind of pains. Imagine what it can do on your, in your daily life just to uplift you. I just love that, that science is finding more and more these great things about the dog-human connection. So I also want to test you a little bit today. See if you can guess which is the most treatable and curable chronic pet disease. Okay, so what disease of the nasty diseases you can think of, and I know you know all of them, what disease for dogs is, or for pets, is um, of these chronic diseases is most treatable and most curable? A little bright light at the end of the tunnel for anybody with this diagnosis. So we'll talk about that sometime by the end of the show. I'll solve that. You have to hang on for that. And I wanted to also highlight, each week I talk about my favorite website. And one of the great websites out there for all of us is the ASPCA.org website. ASPCA.org. They have so much good stuff on there. In fact, I was planning today to read to you an article about warning signs with children and how to know when a child is behaving inappropriately or dangerously with pets, how to curb it what to do, how to react. That's what I was going to do today. But as I was digging that up and going to recommend the ASPCA website, I found something even more appropriate to the day. I'm going to let you know what they've been saying today for pet owners. And this is that the ASPCA recommends keeping your pooch indoors as much as possible during backyard parties and Fourth of July festivities, even if your dog is a pro picnicker. So from toxic food and beverages like alcohol to uh, rowdy guests and fireworks, the holiday weekend is a minefield of potential pet problems. And add to that some thunderstorms like you've got in Florida, and then you've got a real mix for runaway disasters. So keep your pet away from alcohol. Alcohol can be poisonous to pets. It's not funny to give your dog a little bit. It will make him sick. It can make him break a leg, get injured. It's not something he can handle, so avoid that. Avoid scraps from the grill. Uh, too much fat, too much oil, too much spice is going to be toxic to your dog. And if he's not used to it, it can really harm his stomach. Certain foods like onions, avocado, chocolate, grapes, and raisins are especially toxic to pets. So just stick with your normal dog food and dog treats. In fact, put some out with a sign on it so people visiting can get your dog to uh, perform tricks for proper treats rather than give them the end of their bun when they're in your house using the washroom and they spot him begging at the door. Stay fire smart. Keep your pet away from fireworks, matches, citronella candles, and lighter fluid. Uh, some of this stuff they'll eat because it's scented, and then they can get really sick. It can affect their lungs and their nervous system. Be cool near the pool. Okay, most pools, 
It's not safe for the dogs. The chlorine is bad for them to drink. There's other toxic chemicals used in pools, even salt pools. It's too salty. And they shouldn't be unsupervised. If you're on a boat, your dog should have a life jacket. Now, this is stuff I'm adding, but if you're on a boat, your dog should have a life jacket. If your dog gets knocked overboard, he is going to be unconscious. In fact, I was at the vet the other day with a cat with a dislocated kneecap, a blown cruciate, and I saw coming in a whole family still wearing their life jackets, some of them, and the dog with them wet and, and confused and they told me the story after they'd been taken into emergency and they were sitting in the waiting room while their dog was being treated that the dog had been flung off the front of the boat bashed its front legs on the bars at the front of the boat he's a great swimmer but somehow he got knocked by the boat probably the stem of the motor not the propellers because he wasn't dead but he did get hit by the motor did get hit by the boat they ran over their own dog and then they had to jump in and save him so thank goodness this 60 pound border collie cross lab something was uh, wearing a life jacket and the kind that was made especially for pets so that's something to think about as the summer comes and now later in this in this show we'll get darlene to tell you how to use a target stick that's going to be our hands-on tip for today but before you get any more out of me i'm going to invite darlene arden to join this party so welcome to the show darlene thank you so much deborah it's so good to be with you now, did you bring some little dogs to the party? I sure hope so. Well, of course I bring little dogs to the party. They're all here. But I Everything hear it's raining Athens where you to are. Yorkshire Terrier. <laughs> but I hear it's raining where you are. That means I don't think you got the, uh, the uh, let's see, who wouldn't go out? The Manchesters wouldn't go out in the rain, would they? No, and the Yorkies <laughs> aren't overly fond of it. The Cavaliers are fine because they're little sporting dogs. So they're off, you know, they'll go hunting in the rain. They're fine with that. Uh, and Bichons, little... too, will surprise you, won't they? Bichons are surprisingly outdoor. Bichons can be. It depends upon whether or not they're playing Sarah Hartburn. These dogs <laughs> are so funny because they will fake you out. And if they think they see somebody they can sucker into doing what they want, it's very funny because, you know, dogs read body language far better than we do. And they will tune in. I had a Bichon walk up to me once in the uh, Handler's Kennel and tapped me on the back of the leg, and I turned around wondering who was tapping me on the back of the leg. I knew there weren't any small children in the place, <laughs> and I looked down, and there was this little Bichon looking pitiful. Well, I knew her owner, and I called him. I said, gee, I don't know that she's happy on the road. She said, you're at the kennel, weren't you? She pulls that with everybody. She's perfectly oh, happy, God. but I get phone calls from everyone. She's a drama queen. Yeah. <laughs> she attention that way. So, you know, these little ones can be really smart. Some of them really do hate it. And don't forget that little dogs, because of the smaller body surface, lose body heat more quickly than larger dogs. You want to put a raincoat on these dogs, maybe a warm okay. sweater if it's, if it's a really cool day. Don't Temperature's a big issue, isn't it? And with puppies, when they're young, overheating is a big problem, isn't it, with toy dogs? Like, we're talking, when we're talking toy dogs, this book, Small Dogs, Big Hearts, it's for the little, little wee ones. The ones that a lot of people listening might really dislike, might find are annoying and frail and noisy, and basically they're kind of misunderstood. So, the first time I read your book, I remember reading the, the beginning and how it kind of tries to get you to understand, okay, what would life be like for you if you were 10 pounds and you only came up six inches off the ground? And it reminded me of this time that my father and I went to see this movie, The Wrath of Khan, when it was first out in the theaters. And it was in this giant, round, Omnimax type theater. And we went downtown to see it. But of course, we were late. He was always late. We were late. So we ended up getting the literally the front row seat. And when Captain Kirk showed up, his foot was so gigantic. It was like coming at us in the front row. And, you know, it took us maybe 20 minutes to adjust before we stopped kind of moving away from the feet and <laughs> were able to see the characters. But it made me realize, okay, that's what a little dog's world is like. It's, it's so different. It is different. And these are dogs 20 or 21 pounds and under. If the dog will fit under an airline seat, these are the dogs I'm talking about. The world is gigantic to them. Can you imagine? People wonder why these little dogs shake when they want to pet them. Well, mm -hmm. no dog likes to be patted on the head, frankly. But mm -hmm. if you were that tiny and something that, relatively speaking, ginormous to your head were coming down on it, you'd duck and shake, too. It would look like the sky was falling. 
It reminds me too of when kids, when they're at that sensitive stage and they're being a little bit aloof and they're being handled by their relatives who want to show affection but they're ruffling their hair too hard or they're grabbing their mm-hmm. cheeks when the kid has braces and this kind of thing that's just like, you know, gentle, everybody, gentle. Exactly. Little, little dogs need to be gentle. Remember to let them sniff your knuckles, make a little fist, and then let them have a chance to sniff. Reach your hand around your, just your fingers and scratch under the chin and move slowly. You have to go slowly with little dogs. You even want a veterinarian who moves slowly. If you have a veterinarian who doesn't adjust his touch for a, for a little dog and moves too fast, you need to find someone else. Perhaps he has a colleague in the practice who's better with little dogs. Mm-hmm. I find often feline practitioners are excellent. Uh, if you have a feline well, practitioner in the practice, they're used to adjusting their touch. And there's so much that's different. I think people sometimes don't realize that, you know, if you try your best to get something like a teacup Yorkie rather than a regular toy Yorkie, you're going to be getting more problems. When you go for those tiny, 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 minuscule dogs, everything's more complicated. Anesthetics more complicated. Operations are more complicated. Even spay and neuter, a temperature control and puppies. Can you go through some of these things that people really need to know about? Because they are not sturdy like a beagle or a basset or the next size up dog, even a cocker. These, these little, little ones really need a lot of special care, don't they? They're like premature babies. And let's make one thing really, really clear, Deborah. There is no such thing as a teacup anything. That's a marketing term used by backyard breeders and puppy mills. Oh, I'm so glad and you're they, saying this. And it just, it, to me, it means weaker dog. You're crazy to buy, spend more for the weaker dog. They charge you more, but a reputable breeder, these are anomalies in a litter. A reputable breeder will either keep the dog knowing that it may very well have a shorter lifespan. And neuter it, right? It. Oh, of course. They wouldn't yes. think of breeding these dogs. Or they will place it with someone they know is very experienced and has a lot of money. And when I say place it, a lot of people use the term place the dog when they mean they're charging for it. I mean they literally are not charging because they know that that money is going to have to go into veterinary bills. And you don't want that dog in a house with tiny children. In fact, I'm not overly fond of little dogs and small children for the reason that children don't understand before the age of seven that they can inflict pain. Even mm-hmm. larger kids, our older kids, are running. They're moving in such a way that a Labrador Retriever wouldn't know what it had done to elicit that kind of response <laughs> from a small child. They're loud. They're running. But unpredictable. Mm-hmm. Very unpredictable. Not only that, if the kid trips and falls on the dog, even if an ad- a sort of adult's doing that while holding one, but if somebody trips and falls on the dog, you'll end up with a dead dog or a very badly injured one. And you I find also fight. little kids pick up dogs incorrectly, as if they're picking up a baby. They pick them up under the front armpits, which really is painful to the dogs and causes problems later. There's too much weight. That's not how a dog should be picked up. It should be picked up flat-backed. So that's a problem. But also kids picking up dogs, if the puppy piddles or does anything, the kid will drop the puppy. And if the kid is standing over a marble floor the puppy will break a leg. So this is really serious. Kids have to be sitting on the floor if you're going to let them hold puppies. You bet. My rule of thumb is the child sits, the child does not pick up the puppy, and the child should be supervised with any dog of any age, of any breed, Mm -hmm. because it is too dangerous. People expect their dog to be Lassie, and they forget that Lassie isn't Lassie. There's a handler behind the camera getting he's a boy and there's about 40 Lassie's of them. a boy so the whole thing is all showbiz smoke and mirrors anyway. I love Lassie watching Lassie a- just to see when they change dogs. I'm like oh there's the oh there's a CJ you know you can exactly, sort of tell. Exactly and not only that and I've met one of the one of the Lassies. The, the reason as you well know that they use a male is because they don't blow coat and the coat is much fuller on a male dog and that beautiful collie rough coat that they're looking for, that's the only way they're going to get it. They're not going to get it. The female, who every time she comes into season, is going to be blowing coat. Well, and they only get it, and this is something really important, they only get a coat like that if they brush it every day. If you're the kind of person where, like me, 
I battle my children to do their hair and they don't like it and it's a chore and it's all I can do to get us all out of the house with need hair every day. I should not own an Afghan or a collie or a long-haired Persian cat or many of the little dogs with the fancy, fancy coats. Um, maybe you can get like a Maltese even. Uh, it would be a mess. Oh, not only would it be a mess, but then it becomes <laughs> matted and it's painful and you have to teach the puppy, starting with your little dog, every single day. Mm-hmm. That it will sit. It's going to be a fun bonding time. It's a good time to learn to go over your dog and see if there are any new bumps, if there are fleas or ticks, obviously. You should do that with every dog. But that, if it becomes painful, you're going to have to have the coat cut down and start all over again and start with very short, slow grooming sessions. But it has to be daily on a long-coated dog. You're not going to keep that look. And if you strip the coat for the summer, you're also stripping away the dog's protection from the heat and the sun. And well, and some we dogs talk- suit that. There are dogs like Poodles and Bichons where you can clip them fairly short in summer and let them grow long in winter, and that's a good idea for those breeds, but not every breed is like that. So you have to find out if that's a good not thing for you. Not only that, dog. but you have to protect them because that is skin. Now, you look at something like a hairless crested or even the ones, the powder puffs that have some hair. If it's thin hair, they can get badly sunburned, and I've seen that. There is not less hair just because your dog is hairless. There's every bit as much or more. The hairless breeds end up with blackheads, whiteheads, need special skin care, and they need a sunblock if they're going out. Okay. Now, that breed itself is from a recessive gene, right? Like a problem, right. like a fault. Do you think it's, exactly. it's ethically questionable to even create a breed from a condition, basically, a disease that some of them have, a genetic disease to... Being bald? It's a genetic defect, the hairlessness that's bred on, just like the Sphinx cat. Now, they've been doing it for so long, and they have created a breed that there's not much I can say that's going to make a difference. I mean, they're wonderful <laughs> dogs. They're wonderful dogs. Yes. However, here's my big however, Deborah. Okay. They should not be creating new breeds. First of all, these designer yes. dogs are mutts. A designer dog, go to the... the to a shelter, adopt yeah, a mixed breed, call it whatever you want to call it, I don't care what name you give it, have it spayed or neutered, and if you want to sound fancy to your friends, I really don't care, <laughs> but okay. don't spend big bucks for something, I mean, people expect that it's going to be something, that it can't be, because they're not setting tight, they're just putting two of something together. Well, I wanted to ask you, this this is more on the last topic. Before we leave that topic, when you were saying, you know, when when they breed uh, what they call a teacup, so they make a litter of two Yorkies and one is half the size of the others. Instead of selling it for double the money or finding the smallest, smallest parents so they could keep doing this, usually taking a father and daughter or grandfather and granddaughter or something like this to create that tininess, and oftentimes one or two in the litter are not well at all, and so they, mm-hmm. it's really questionable. But um, So that was the kind of breeding you don't agree with. What about things like what was just exposed on TV recently where they were looking into the situation in England, and they found that the Pekingese winner from 2003 um, not only was shown at Crufts and bred afterwards, but um, won, uh, was the 2003 winner, and he'd already had a soft palate resection to correct a genetic defect to his mouth. What do you think about that? Is that a problem for you? There's a problem if that story is indeed true. Right, yeah, if it's indeed true, true, yeah. There is a problem. You do not, first of all, dog shows were set up to show breeding stock to choose the best. They are judged against the standard for their, their own breed. They're not judged against the next breed. It's which is the best representative of its own breed. Mm-hmm. And that was to decide which ones best met the standard and should be bred. And that meant sound dogs who are healthy, who are who look the way they're supposed to look, but there is not supposed to be anything artificial going on. Your dog shouldn't be wearing braces to correct its bite and then be taken into the show ring. If you have a pet at home who mm-hmm. can't eat properly because he has that problem, he's your pet, love him, neuter him, have his teeth fixed, enjoy right. him and love him for all of his days, but don't enter him in a dog show. That's not the purpose. And so there was another story in the same film about a King Charles Cavalier Spaniel who won at Worcester, which is the biggest King Charles Cavalier show in England. And he, uh, 
he did he's had 34 litters he's had 26 litters since being diagnosed with this terrible brain disorder and this is the part that scares me because it's just, I mean, yes. part of the problem is that what you're looking at has been an edited TV show that apparently right. was done with an agenda that is not yeah. an objective news program so they've painted everybody with the same brush they've right. made every breeder look evil and the ones I think are evil are people who deliberately set out to create news. Mm-hmm. And you really ha- can't paint every breeder with the same brush. You really have to look at the individual breeder. I mean, they'll show one or two people. And, you know, there are one or two bad apples in every business, oh, sure. every hobby. Yeah. I mean, how many people go into a hobby and are really fighting dirty because they want to win? It's human True. nature. Don't pick out just those people and then say everybody's like that. Mm-hmm. Because they're not. I mean, if you have a criminal living next door to you, and I'm not saying what they're doing is criminal behavior. It's just to me, I don't like cheats of any kind. But if you have a criminal living next door to you, do you want everyone to say everybody, including you in your neighborhood, is a criminal because that person lives near you? Well, the part I don't like about this is that if you know your dog is sick and if you know he suffers from something that's painful and you intentionally show him and breed him and make more puppies suffering from the same problem, isn't that cruelty on a really larger scale than of just hurting? Of course it is. Yeah, I find of that so hard and to deal with. That's, but to me, that's a separate issue. The uh-huh. issue is, yes, that's cruelty and I want those people stopped, but I don't want the people who are doing things right to suffer because of that person. We need but to I notice such a difference. Like I notice a huge difference between the good breeders and the type of people I just mentioned in that if you look at a dog from a good breeder, they're almost forcing you to look at the hip tests and the eye tests, and they want you to see that they've done everything. If the shows were changed so you had to do those tests to qualify, wouldn't that make things a lot better? Oh, I think it's, it's really important. For the, in fact, uh-huh. if you notice while you're reading Small Dogs, Big Hearts, if you look mm-hmm. at the section where I talk about going to breeders and also at the end with the breeds, breed mm-hmm. by breed, where I cover a number of those breeds, I tell people to look, ask to see health clearances and ask for a health guarantee to a reasonable age. Most of these little dog purebreds, they do have health issues. So if the breeder says there's no problems, I don't need to do any tests, it's not a problem in my line, you say in your book, they walk the other way, right? Walk the other way. I mean, what most people under, don't understand is they think about hip dysplasia in larger breeds. They don't understand that there are affin pinchers with hip dysplasia. Toy dogs get aff, uh, get hip dysplasia. Okay, let me read, since you're talking about affin pictures, people might not realize that when they read this book, they can look up their dog and find real, truthful, honest descriptions of their dog. If they were thinking of getting a little dog, or they know a little dog they like, or there's one in their family, okay, this is like, she's not holding back here, listen to this. This is about the affin pincher. These dogs can be hard to house train. Males tend to mark territory, which must be rectified when they're very young. Affins bark enthusiastically when they become excited. Because they're fearless, they've been known to break their legs when jumping off furniture. And they'll challenge a large dog without hesitation. Okay, <laughs> that's not really a sales pitch. <laughs> you bet it's not, because I don't want people to look at this cute little monkey terrier. And, you know, it doesn't matter... Name any breed. I don't care what breed it is. It's not going to be right for every single person. But every puppy's adorable, but every puppy's programmed to grow up to be something. If you don't have a really good sense of humor and you're not active and you're not willing to do the positive training and spend time with a dog, you shouldn't have one to begin with. But you certainly shouldn't have a dog with these characteristics if you don't want to live with it later. Because every puppy is adorable, but it's going to grow up to be something. So if a dog is really active, you want to start thinking, what dog sport do I want to get involved in with this dog? And if you don't want to get involved in a dog sport, pick a different dog, right? Here here you talk about Italian greyhounds and you say, um, you talk about some of the good things. You know, they get along with other animals. But then you say they're also easily bored, (laughs) which shortens their attention span. And it's just, if you, you know... When you go to pick a dog, you really ought to spend time with the parents. You need to see what the adult version is going to be like. If you know ahead of time that you're sure you want a beagle or you're dying to get a pug or you know an Irish setter is for you, try and find somebody you know where you can borrow it for a day or have it stay over for a weekend or really, really get it in your house with its shedding, with its drooling, with its everything to see if you really aren't allergic, if you really can tolerate the mess, if it really, you really do want to do the 
two long walks a day that that seven-year-old Irish setter needs, never mind the one-year-old you're going to bring home. Don't go anywhere, because the best is yet to come. Stick around. Give your dog some thought. With Dog Thoughts, it's the iPhone application that everyone's talking about. Hey, what do you think of this? A man in Davis, California says he's invented an application for the iPhone that claims it can read your dog's mind. Huh? No, it's true. Now, I read about it on my cat's Twitter page. That's fine. Jay Leno talked about it, CBS reported on it, and now you can see what all the buzz is about. Created just for dog lovers, Dog Thoughts makes taking photos of your furry best friend more fun. Shake your dog and read his mind. On your iPhone, of course. Take a pic of your pup, shake your phone, and watch as his thoughts appear on the screen. Does he have a bone to pick with you, or is he having a tail-wagging day? Get your Dog Thoughts iPhone app today. Just 99 cents. Go to PetLifeRadioPromotions.com. That's PetLifeRadioPromotions.com. Welcome to Pet Planet. Here's a copy of Pet Planet Magazine, Florida's most informative and fun pet resource magazine. It features heartwarming stories and informative articles from local and national pet experts. Excellent. Pet Planet Magazine offers Operation Planet Rescue, helping rescued pets find new homes. And it's available at 500 locations in South and Central Florida and 24-7 on the Internet at PetPlanetMagazine.com. If you're out and about with your pet, you may be featured in Paparazzi, Candid Pictures of You and Your Pet. For up-to-date pet-friendly events, activities, and pet-related services and products, Pet Planet Magazine is your final destination. I shall take this magazine home with me. Back to your home planet? No, to my condo in Boca. Pet Planet Magazine. Check them out at www.petplanetmagazine.com or 352-394-8578. It's out of this world. Pets can be a wonderful addition to your life because they're a member of the family. Keeping them healthy and happy is important. Pet Life Radio presents The Pet Doctor with veterinary media consultant and veterinarian Dr. Bernadine Cruz. Whether you have a dog, cat, reptile, or rabbit, you'll find answers for your pets straight from the vets. The Pet Doctor, on demand every week, only on PetLifeRadio.com. PetLifeRadio.com you're, you're, you're inside the VIP room With the hottest party in town Back to the party Let's go Welcome back to Animal Party Some of these toy dogs And I'm sure you can name some for our audience They need a lot of attention They're not going to be cool with you leaving them at 7 in the morning And coming back at 8 at night from a hard day at work 5, 6 days a week No, that's right? not that's, a nice thing to do to any dog to begin with I mean, there are, there are some dogs that if there was another dog or another cat and if there were people visiting or different things going on. Oh, or if there are if, people you visiting know, and you really yeah, need to arrange some, to have somebody come in, even if you have to pay someone to come in and, and walk your dog. I mean, it's not fair. Do you, if the dog doesn't have a place to go out away from where it is and relieve itself and come in, would you like to hold it for 12 hours? I don't think so. I'll give you an example, though. Um, a place like an Akita, big, giant Asian farm dog made to guard mm-hmm. acreage, kind of aloof, likes its family, doesn't really like anybody else. A dog like that with a doggy door and a big yard or a farmyard would be totally content. The same setup. Absolutely. It'd probably be out killing every small animal that comes through the backyard. I mean, it would be defending. That's well, idea of amusement. You know that, and I know that. <laughs> Squirrels in your backyard. This is a... Well, some people do live on farms. I'm trying to illustrate that there's certain certain places for certain dogs and ter- certain jobs absolutely, for certain dogs. You're but absolutely But that same right. setup would be a hell for a King Charles Cavalier Spaniel. He would hate his life. He would sit at the front door waiting for you to come home. He would never hang out in the backyard. He would never do anything except wait for you to come no, home. and the Maltese so would different. be sitting there every bit as miserable. And even though Yorkies are intelligent little terriers, they're not going to be happy. They'll stay for so many hours, but... What's the point? Think about your motivation. Why are you getting this dog? 
And if what you are do, you doing if, to enhance its life as well as what the dog's doing to enhance yours? And maybe, maybe there is a dog in your life that you adore. Maybe it's your sister's dog or your friend's dog or dog down the lane, and it's just perfect for you. But it's five or it's six or it's seven or it's eight. Probably the puppy version of that dog you would not have adored so much. And so if that's really true, maybe that's exactly the kind of dog you should be looking for. Maybe you should be getting on the, the web right now. There's so much out there now. People are abandoning their homes and they're dumping really good dogs for no fault of the dog. So you can pick up a purebred little dog that's got no bad habits, that's sweet and loves people right now. And do the right thing and not just go buy a puppy. You could get one that's five or six and actually meet it right now. See what it's really like. Not sort of guess at what it might become. And that dog might actually suit your life like the one across the way does. But a new puppy with these toys, oh, I don't know if people have an idea. When you take a toy puppy home, it's going to be a little bit later than another kind of puppy. Breeders tend to hold on to them longer. So you have to have a really good breeder who will teach them what life is about and to, as you say in your book, expect the unexpected. So important. So they're not freaked out by everything. So they know the sounds of kids and people and visitors and all and the that things. That's the same for every dog of every breed, no matter how large. They need the proper socialization. They need to stay Absolutely. with their mother and litter mates for at least 12 weeks. But as Absolutely. long as the, uh, as the breeder is doing the socialization, otherwise you're going to end up with Cujo. And then when these toys come home, though, unlike some of the other breeds, if you adopt them at 12 weeks or 14 or 16 weeks, a lot of the other breeds can hold their bladder through the night. But that's not the case with these little guys, is it, Darlene? Oh, no. It takes up to a full year for a small dog to be reliably house-trained. This means... You better be sleeping in sweats because if that puppy has to go in the middle of the night and you don't get up and take it out, guess whose fault it is if the puppy's not house trained. Exactly. Now, how about, okay, the people listening who have the Bichon, the Bichon or the multi-poo who runs to the door and the person comes in and says, hi, Fifi, hi, Fifi, and the dog whittles everywhere like a sprinkler. What can they do? Oh, they need to stop greeting the puppy so enthusiastically. They need to come in, bring in the mail. Ignore the puppy until the puppy calms down. Give it three to five minutes. Put away your groceries. Then turn around, calmly greet the dog, and take it out for a walk and spend mm-hmm. some time together. But you're only exacerbating what we call anxious urination. Oh, I'm so excited. And, it, you know, <laughs> right on the floor, right at the spot. Oh, you're home. <laughs> and there it is. They can't help it. They're so excited. They just feel the So form. a big part of this is making less fuss when you leave and less fuss when you come home. If there's something really important that always happens when you leave and go, like a cookie, this is really going to hurt you. You want all the fun stuff to happen sometime other than people leaving and people coming. So there's not so much focus on these big greeting times. And that's why Darlene was saying, you know, come in and I think, you, did you say make a sandwich? <laughs> do your laundry? Just do something other than fuss over the do dog. Do something so, other than fuss. You, you may be thrilled, to, and I hope you're thrilled to see the dog as the dog is to see you. But if the puppy or dog has anxious urination problems, you're only going to make it worse and nobody's going to be happy. You're going to be upset with the dog. The dog won't know why. And it, hello, it's your fault. Another thing I do else. with that is I find in a lot of families, the dog no longer piddles for the owners, but there's certain people in the family circle the dog will always piddle for. You know, Aunt Susie that loves him to pieces or whatever. Somebody who just loves, loves, loves the dog. Of course, they're not the one cleaning up the piddle. So <laughs> what, what I usually do with that is I get them to call before they come and I lock the door so they can't sneak in. And I have the leash hanging right by the door. So the owners, before Auntie Susie comes over, they know she's in the driveway. They put the dog on a leash and they walk outside the door. Okay, now when Auntie Susie greets the dog, they get Auntie Susie maybe with a cookie. Maybe she doesn't even need the cookie if the dog loves her so much. They get her to get the dog to do something else. It can be bring a ball if it's the type of dog that loves balls. It can be bring a toy. It can be sit. It doesn't matter what it is, but it's something else other than pee for me, pee for me. And so the dog does that. alternative behavior. And the other thing is enlist people to help you. Enlist Auntie Susie. Say, you know, um, we're working with this. We have a small problem. Would you please help us? People are always inclined to want to help. And this way they'll help you resolve the problems the dog has with them. That's such a good point. You don't have to sound accusing. No, and those people are really hard to stop. If you just say no to them, they won't follow you. The Auntie Susie's of this world, they love your dog so much. 
But if you hand them a cookie and say, can you make him sit for this instead? Oh, sure, I can do that. And then she'll be proud of all the tricks she's taught him. And then he won't piddle for her anymore and he'll do tricks for her. And, she, you know, everything will work out. But what you do by bringing him outside is you make it so that even if he piddles, you can totally ignore it. You can focus exactly. on this new thing. Because a lot of them, they get scolded, but they just think it's part of the greeting. I pee, she yells. This is how we greet it. This house. Right. <laughs> they think this that's normal. It's been going on forever. And it's yeah. just, it's, it doesn't work. Don't make it worse. Just be, you know, it's so simple. Everything is so simple when you think about it. But people get upset and then they don't think. And common sense runs out the window. Well, never. Okay, let's go through some of these nevers. You should never rub your dog's nose in urine. You should never hit your dog. What else should you never do? With never the yell at the dog because you're only going to break the human-animal bond. Seconds after the dog has had an accident, he's forgotten about it. He doesn't even associate that. And people say the dog looks guilty. No, the dog is anticipating you yelling at him. He doesn't know why. Yes, he he's, he's picked up. And you yell. He's picked up on your mood, and the smarter the dog, the, the more quickly he's going to know that you're pissed off. But he doesn't know why. He just knows you're pissed off. And if you're looking his direction, he thinks it might be him. <laughs> but that doesn't, and he may That's have right. even learned that putting on the face of a dog who looks guilty makes you back off. He may have learned that that's the response you're looking for. It might be a completely conditioned thing. This weren't helpless. It's ridiculous. Don't do this to your dog. If you catch him in the act, if you can, and you should, this is the thing. If you're house training a little puppy, he should be right with you in the same room or tied on a leash to your waist so that when he goes off to sneak away and do it in the wrong spot, you're on it. And you pick him mm-hmm. up and you don't say nasty things. You're not even upset about it. You run outside and you try and get him to do it outside and when he does it outside that's when you come to life that's when you have a little party right there telling him how oh, good he is and, no, no, yay, and all the, all so the things Auntie Jump Susie up and used down. To do. we don't care if yeah. the neighbors think you're crazy and always try to take him to the same spot so that he understands yeah. and then use a word for it so you know you make a connection so that the puppy learns to pee on cue and you will get puppies who are proud of this. Instead of being ashamed and not knowing what to do with their pee, but knowing they're full, the dog starts to think, okay, I know where I'm supposed to go, and she loves it when I go there. I'm going to show her. And You, know, you, you bet. People, they want to make you happy. Dogs only want to please you, so set them up to win. Don't but they can't do lose. that Don't if punish. you're not with them. If you just kick your puppy out the door and shut the door, and he goes over and pees by himself, and no one's there to say, good, bye, only half the lesson is being learned. So exactly. in the first six months or even a year, until he's perfect on house training, you got to go with him. So one of the kids, somebody has to walk over to the pee spot with him, stand there with the leash on, so he knows it isn't a play break, so he knows this is business, and he gets his reward. Exactly. And with little dogs, don't forget that they're always vulnerable to other animals coming through the neighborhood and to birds of prey. So I don't yeah. like any little dog of any age allowed to go out alone. They're too vulnerable. Sometimes you can you can solve that a little bit, especially if you if you do it properly and, and you negotiate it well, but you can have a very, very large dog and a very, very little dog. And there's mm-hmm. no competition and there's no conflict, especially if one's a boy and one's a girl. You can have these, these best friend situations, husband-wife situations, where the girl is a little Yorkie and the boy is a giant mastiff or vice versa. But you have and, to be very careful because when they yes. both run enthusiastically to the door, when they hear the doorbell <laughs> ring, and they're making that corner. I know of one little dog who was accidentally slammed against the wall by his, little, by his bigger friend, and he was dead by the time he hit the floor. So accidents happen, and people don't stop to think about that. That requires a lot of supervision, Deb. And yes, yes, that's true. Friends, but it does require a lot of supervision. Now, so, for me, the flexi-leash is an accident waiting to happen. Do you like these flexi-leashes, these long, ropey, extending leashes for toy dogs? Can how much I really hate, loathe, detest, and despise them? Oh, I didn't know that. Okay, good. <laughs> I just now, find that, you know, the big dog, little dog with the, with the rope tangling around the ankles and the burn, and I can't stand them. Oh, not only that, but then the owners let the dogs wander out, and yes. they're not paying attention, and the dog's getting into all kinds of trouble. Plus, they just, they're not teaching the dog anything because you want to loosely swatting, you want to be together, you want to teach the yeah, dog. Yeah, you're on the same team. You're on the same team. 
Now, if you're and, and when you walk up, on a short leash, the two of you are going the same pace at the same time to the same place. You're on a team and you're walking together. When you have exactly. the flexi leash, your dog is so independent of you and you follow behind him like his servant and he is so the leader. And I really, every time he's wondering, oh, am I on a short leash or a long leash? The way he finds out is he pulls. So I think it teaches a lot of bad things. It teaches your dog not to care where you are, not to worry about you at all. And to pull whenever he wants more freedom. So, bad, bad, bad. That, but you can't see if he's picking up something and you need to tell that's him true. to leave it. You don't know if he's going to get into something that's been poisoned because yes. you're not paying attention. So, more than I don't worry about who's leading, I worry about team effort and how responsible are you as an owner. And are you watching because people throw things on the ground and into the grass all the time. I also like to teach a default behavior. And usually, for me, the preferred one for a pet is sit. Because you're walking down the street, and along comes your best friend, Lily Bell. Well, if you have a best friend named Lily Bell, we need to have a discussion. But anyway, perfectly lovely name. Uh, <laughs> and you stop to talk. If the dog's on a flexi, where is he? He's off wandering. If your dog is on a nice lead, and he's been taught to sit when he doesn't know what to do, while you're having your nice discussion, he's sitting very politely waiting for you to finish. And then you have your little discussion. Don't ignore the fact that you have a dog with you. And once you're ready to go, he's right there at your side. And he's walking on a loose leash. He's not pulling. Mm-hmm. He's not dragging behind. He's not wandering off. He's not roaming. He's not getting into trouble. He's literally having a great time with you. What's the point of the, of the walk? It's a shared experience. You're both getting exercise. You're bonding. It's shared time together. Enjoy it. When I told people I was doing this show with you, I get a mixed reaction. A lot of time people really think they hate little dogs. And most of those people have never spent a lot of time with little dogs. But what they encounter is they walk their big dog and little dogs come out of nowhere, usually off leash or on flexi leashes, attack their dog. You know, come running at his feet, snapping and hollering and freaking out. And their dog is expected to stoically, like Jesus, turn the other cheek and keep walking. You know, like like a Buddhist, like a pacifist, like just just keep on walking no matter what they say to him, no matter what they do. Okay, and I know this can't, I mean, it can't be good for the little dog to have the owner so, look at him, he's so bro, isn't that funny? Look at Napoleon go after that big master. So, So what do you tell people about this? I mean... It doesn't. I tell people little dogs don't need to do this on both sides because if the big dog decides to pick up and shake the little dog, and that big dog can easily come out of nowhere, the dog's dead by the time he hits the ground. If you have a little dog, it's not prudent to encourage him to attack other dogs. He yes. can get killed. And don't misunderstand. Sometimes I hear, oh, but it's only a golden. It, goldens, labs, every dog out there, no matter how sweet, is not going to put up with. There's a limit. There's a limit to what exactly. every dog out there will put up. And if that golden language. has sore hips, if that golden just had a litter, if it's got sunstroke, forget it. Your dog is going to be taught a lesson, and it might not be a lesson it can survive. That's exactly right. They need to learn to respect each other. I think people need to learn to read dog body language, and I don't think any dog should be walked off lead because there's too much of a potential danger. But what about in, in dog parks where it's allowed? Is that all? You don't believe even there? In like here we have park, lakes and forests and areas where you're allowed. Would you not walk if you're your dog? allowed, it's one thing. I have, oh. but I've seen, but, but you also have to be careful even in places where it's allowed that some biker hasn't come through or some yes. slovenly camper and left broken glass, flip tops from beer cans or soda cans. That's really important because we forget. We're wearing our nice hiking boots and we forget that the pavement's scorching hot or that we're expecting our dog to walk on sharp grass, like really sharp, you know, like in Florida. You know, we really got to see. shoes. I mean, you know, and I always try to make this point. Also, if the pavement, I'm glad you said this, Deb, if the pavement's too hot for the palm of your hand, it's too hot for the pads of your dog's paws. In the heat of the day, walk before 10 in the morning and... Actually, they say between 10 and 2 is the hottest part of the day. Some days it's hotter much later than that. Yes, yes, that's true. And it true. depends upon where you live. Older dogs are particularly susceptible to this. Just because when your dog was 4 and a Dalmatian, he could go running with you in the summer in the, at lunch hour, doesn't mean when he's 10. I mean, you take him at 10 during a hot day, and he might have a stroke right after you get back. 
it's that exactly right. extreme for exactly them. They right. can't handle the... They fire through the pads of their feet. So you're not doing them any favors. You're setting them up to lose. Okay, you so really we talked can. about the people who laugh at and inadvertently encourage their dogs to attack big dogs. They're just setting them up for a real lesson. So don't do that. Mm-hmm. Get your dog under control. Make it heal. Make it be nice. Walk around at a distance until it can handle closer. You're the one who's teaching it this. If you teach your dog, it is not allowed to yip-yap at big dogs. It has to heal around them. It has to listen to you. It will. It'll get over this. And it won't get attacked by a big dog someday. So what about the scoop-uppers? The people who see you coming a mile away, it doesn't matter how sweet and well-trained your dogs are. They go running for their little dog and they scoop it up. Are they not teaching that dog to be afraid of life? Terrified. They're teaching to be terrified. Children are particularly abominable when it comes to this. Uh, I refer to the gang of seven-year-old marauding little girls who came after my Yorkshire Terrier one day in the strip mall. Oh, look at the little dog. It was the only time in his entire life he ever hid behind me. (laughs) Extremely well-adjusted dog. And suddenly he was being attacked by a bunch of seven-year-old girls. Frankly, they looked a little frightening to me, too, calling them a gang, you know? They weren't biker chicks, but it certainly is. (laughs) To a toy dog, they are. They might as well be biker chicks, you know? They're worse. Biker chicks would be gentle and motherly and older and calmer and slower. I mean, really, they're worse. Oh, that's funny. all of these adorable little seven-year-old girls in a pack are pretty darn frightening to almost anybody. Uh, except their mothers, I guess, and even then I don't know. One thing about toy dogs that I find really rewarding is the, is the lifespan. You can invest so much in a great Dane, and before you know it, he's a puppy for two whole years. He's goofing around and driving you crazy. Then he settles down and becomes the noble animal, your companion. And two, three, four years later, he's already aging and aging fast. And by the time he's eight or nine, he's gone. You know, something mm-hmm. like that. If you're lucky, 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 maybe ten. But when you're talking about these little guys and, and their larger cousins, the, the Shelties and the Cockers and the ones that are considered small dogs but not quite toy toy, we get a longer life, don't we? But is their puppyhood different? Is it, they seem to grow up a little slower and then they hit puberty with a bang. Oh, that's why it takes a full year to the house train plus the size of the bladder is different. Okay. Um, you get a much longer lifespan. That means that as elderly dogs, they're going to have virtually all the problems elderly humans have, but they're such treasures. And just when you're, have, you're, you've created this wonderful bond with a giant breed, he's gone, as you pointed out. But with an older dog, there is so much companionship. And sure, the relationship changes a little because he's not going jogging and hiking with you, but you're still taking walks. He's still a portable companion who can go everywhere with you. You still have this wonderful, long life together, and it's such a treasure. It's so wonderful to know that everything you've invested in training and time and love is, is always coming back at you multiplied. For these tiny dogs, the Palms and the Peaks and the Bichons and the Lassapsos, are they all 15 years? Is that what we get? Well, you get... Anything over 12 becomes gravy, but I would say 14, 15 years, and some dogs go as long as 20 if you're very lucky. The world record holder was 28, and he was a blue healer, but that was years ago, and that led me into a false sense of security with my own blue healer who passed a few weeks ago. I thought I had forever. You know, we think we'll have all of these little dogs forever, and you know what? Forever isn't even long enough. The bond and the love that you share that grows over the years is so amazing. And they do bond differently. We love all of our dogs, no matter what size. But little dogs are up in your lap. They need, your they need you more. They definitely need you more. They you know, because I find one of the things I like most when I'm training big dogs is when they shift from me watching them to them watching me. When they get that attitude where we were going on a walk and actually I can feel them looking out for me. I can feel them doubling back and checking on me all the time. And instead of me looking for them, they're looking for me. Okay, well, with little dogs, <laughs> you can't really expect that much. I mean, they'll, they'll look out for you, but they can't protect you. You have to protect them. That's your they dog. They will try to protect you. But they'll try. You know, they're, a, they're in a warning. They're an alarm bell. They're still bell. dogs, but, and right? they will still try. And some of these breeds can bite through a human ankle, so don't underestimate them. 
But you know what? I worked with a Sheltie once who was trained for this. And um, when I got him, his previous owner had passed away and he had been, you know, inherited by the, the daughter who was also an elderly woman living here in Canada. The other woman was in California. But I heard the story of this little Sheltie Tika who was debarked and 10 years old. And oh, what a horror debarking is. This is how we got to talking. I called them up and said, how terrible this is. She's debarked. Why did you do it? And they said, well, because our, our mother had her and she couldn't bear to give her up. And the only way she could take her to the nursing home was to debark her so she debarked her but it turns out after about a month of being in the nursing home she was robbed and the dog backed up up the stairs and attacked the robber in the throat and chased him away all the other units had been robbed the old ladies had been hit over the head this lady wasn't touched yay tika you know and that's a sheltie that's a tiny little dog it doesn't even come as high as your knee you know when it stands on two legs it reaches your knee and it looks like a collie for people wondering out there but it was devoted to her devoted whatever it took it's a wonderful story and i wish i i may still have the newspaper clipping i was in canada at the time and somebody ripped it out of the newspaper and handed it to me it would it happened in the states, but it was at a time when there was still a lot of carjackings. People would stick a gun or mm. some other threatening knife in somebody's window when they were at a stoplight. And a woman in the U.S. in the South was driving around with her little Yorkshire Terrier, and the dog was wearing a sun bonnet. Don't <laughs> They are still terriers, and somebody's made the mistake of sticking his arm yeah. in and trying to and. That little dog in that prissy, I mean, the picture was hilarious, <laughs> grabbed onto the guy's wrist and wouldn't oh. let go. And the There's a vein body. there. Good for him. You do not threaten my person. You do <laughs> not do that. And that little dog ended up saving the day for that woman. Who knows what would have happened to her. But there was a, I mean, I'm sure that he saw the cute little dog with... The, the oh, yeah. Probably on. thought he'd sell it at the next corner for 100 bucks. Not yeah. only that, but he probably thought he wasn't going to have any problem. It wasn't exactly like a Doberman or a Rottweiler who can look a little intimidating yes, to somebody. Yes. You know, it, it's, I've known plenty of dopes who would you know kiss you to death, but that would be about the extent of it. But I don't know many who would put up with someone trying to hijack you. At a, no, no, I can't say that. Dobermans are right. Virtually any dog, <laughs> I mean, and there's the proof, virtually any dog who loves you will try to protect you. How much they can accomplish depends yes. on how big or how small they are. And in this well, case, they're all descendants of the wolf. And it was really interesting when they did that research recently, and they kind of turned the dog world on its head. It's, I guess it's 10 years old now, 5 years old. But when they figured out that, you know, really... Uh, the border collie isn't a herder. He's in the wolf group. And really, the shepherd is a herder, not a guard dog. And But really, even the tiniest little peeker palm is as connected to the wolf as any of the others. And that was, like, really startling for a lot of us, don't you think? Well, it isn't really. They've proven that it now that it isn't the wolf. I mean, you don't, you, we can't even <laughs> use that anymore. But they are protective of their owners. It's, it's a loyalty deal. It's the way we're loyal to to the people we love and we care about. They're just as loyal to us. So, you know, with little dogs, since we're doing this show about little dogs, and I'm thinking that a lot of times, well, people buy little dogs because they're getting older themselves and they feel like they can handle them better, lift them up better, care for them better, get them into homes better, nursing homes, uh, be able to travel with them better. One thing I want to ask you, I think there are three breeds that it's difficult to travel with because of their temperature and respiratory problems. So I wanted to ask you who, if that's true. And then um, what about target sticks? I would think that target stick training would make a big difference for older people. And if you wouldn't mind explaining to people, if they have a little dog or any dog, how they can teach it the basics of the target stick right now. I'm glad you brought that up. It is so wonderful. I just love it because even for somebody in my position who is not elderly, but I'm 5'10", and if I'm going to train a little dog and I can't get on the floor because of knee injuries that I had dancing, they've gotten mm-hmm. worse. I prefer to start with the dog, preferably with the dog and the owner on the floor together. Or you can put the dog on a wide bench and sit with it. But when you teach it to target, you're not bending over all the time. The target stick, literally the word target, is the dog touches, learns to touch the stick with his nose. And then as soon as he learns that, and I, I love a click stick. Have you seen Terry Ryan's click stick? <laughs> For people who can't manage. I'm but not that sounds dirty. I got to say, have you seen Terry Ryan's click stick? Does not sound clean. You better explain what you're talking about. 
<laughs> I never thought of that. Oh, where is your mind, Deb? Uh, <laughs> I'm a big proponent of clicker training, which is, you know, it's a little noise maker, and it tells the dog he's done something right. You click, you treat, you click, you treat, you click, you treat, and it's not always food. Sometimes the okay. dog wants attention or a special game, and that's his reward. And he learns that click means treat. Well, a lot of people can't handle the separate stick and the clicker, and she's combined them into one. So the dog touches the stick with the tip of his nose, and you press the little clicker, and it makes a noise telling him he did something right, and you give him a treat. But eventually, you can use that target stick, the point of that that he's touching, to point we want to go and start putting behaviors together, or what we call chaining behaviors so that he learns this leads to this leads to this. And you can teach him so easily. Another little trick that I like that came from a colleague, and I thought, oh, this is wonderful because I love to use a target stick, but she will put little dots, little you know, peel-off sticker dots that you can buy mm-hmm. at any stationery store, right it around her ankle so the dog, instead of looking up in your face, now you were talking about how your big dog looks up at you and checks in with you. Mm-hmm. Well, in a heel position, if a little dog tries that, that's like you standing around <laughs> trying to walk around looking at the Empire State Building. <laughs> they all hurt day. their neck, they fall down, they trip over it things. Hurts. Yeah. So, I mean, you could create a real problem, cervical disc problem. So if you teach them to check in around ankle length or calf height if it's, if it's a cavalier, so he's a little bit taller. I mean, the chihuahua can't look at you all the time. Stop asking right. for that, please. Yes. And, yeah, exactly. And I hate that wraparound healing that they do in, in the UK where the dog is wrapped around your foot looking up at you. If you're walking down the street, couldn't that dog walk into a telephone pole? He's not seeing where he's going. He you see, and it's, it's, it's interesting that you say that because I noticed that and I, I think it's so much like my move, the zigzag walk through move that, you know, a lot of dancing with dogs do where you walk and the dog goes through your legs, through your legs, through your legs, but you pick the right dog for that. And it, <laughs> it's almost right. like you're creating you, you weave holes out of your legs. When dancing with dogs in freestyle, that isn't safe for the dogs. Every breed's different. They all dance a little differently. They all put their own excuse this pun, but spin on what they're doing on the movement. And that's great. And that's a wonderful sport. Those dogs are so well-balanced because they're working on all sides of the handler. Veterinarians notice how well-balanced these dogs are. It's a great sport that anybody can do at any age. Yeah, dancing with dogs. If people are looking for that, there's a whole movement out there. There's chapters in every city. Kids can get involved. You don't have to have your dog just, I think he has to be a year or older. And uh, if your kid is too young, you might have to go with them. That's all. They love kids in this thing. And they're always putting together dance numbers. They like seniors in this too. They're into it. They put you to get, they get you into, they give you music and costumes and you get a number together. And, you know, at various times in your dance move, the dog will dive through your legs. Or uh, if he's a very athletic dog, he might jump over you. You might duck down. There's different things you do that are mimicking each other in in sync with each other or partnered with each other, just like ballroom dancers. And, you know, you might do it really sticky if you're not a great dancer. It might just be funny. You might do the bunny hop with your dog. It doesn't matter. Everything's a crowd pleaser. And they get, some of these people, especially the kids, they get free trips all over to do this. They have a blast. That's the main thing. They have a wonderful time. It's a great sport. If you go to worldcaninefreestyle.org, you will find the World Canine Freestyle Organization. They have divisions for sassy seniors, so it's the senior dogs and or senior people. Handy dandy dancers for handicapped dogs and or people. Uh, juniors program, a wonderful juniors program, and there are little kids dancing with their dogs. I mean, very little kids, right through teenagers. Uh, and it's around the world. There isn't a country in the world at this point that probably doesn't have it or isn't just starting. Well, you know what, Darlene? We've run out of time. I'm so glad you plugged that. That's good. We've run out of time. I'm going to tell everybody that the the pet trivia question of the week, what is the most curable, treatable chronic disease in pets? And the answer is cancer. Cancer is the most curable, treatable chronic disease in pets. So if your dog or cat gets diagnosed with cancer, there's a lot that can be done, and some of it's not even expensive, and some of it, if a dog gets chemotherapy, he almost never loses his fur. If a dog gets chemotherapy, you can hardly tell it's happening. So don't despair. Don't think, oh, I've never put my dog through that. You might be surprised how well they do and how they can fight cancer. 
So just giving you the heads up on that in case it happens to you. And, um, you know, there's the bright side there, too. I knew a pug named Missy. At five or six, she had chemotherapy. She lived well past 11. When she was having the chemotherapy, they still sent her to camp because they didn't want her in a hospital when they were on holiday because she was so active. And she ratted, she swam, and she played and all that. She didn't eat quite as well. She might have been a little nauseous. Other than that, you wouldn't have noticed. So it's just a little bit of hope for those of you suffering out there. And I want to tell everybody with a little dog, small dogs, big hearts. This is the book that goes into every breed that you can think of that's little, tells you what you need to know, what's special about them, what's weak, what's strong, what's great, what's not so great, everything you need to know. And it really does help you with the health problems. You know, if you've got one of these dogs and all of a sudden, they're acting a little strange. If you have this book handy, you'll be able to go to that section and know right away, oh, my gosh, this is a serious problem in my breed. I'd better get it to the vet. Or, oh, yeah, 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 okay, this is not a big deal. This is normal. Or, oh, this means I have to cool it down. This is what I have to do. You know, it's a very, very helpful book because you'll understand your dog so much better if you read it. And for those of you who hate toys, when you read this book you'll be able to get along with them better. They'll stop yapping at you and barking at you, and you'll probably grow to like them. Wouldn't you say, Darlene? Absolutely. If you don't like it, it blame the owner. Once you learn <laughs> what these dogs are like, you're going to absolutely love them. Well, and they're very clever at human relations. So even if the owner has produced an ankle-biting, unfriendly, nervous animal, if you're a regular visitor in the home and you read this book, you'll know how to act with the dog so that within a few visits... It won't be like that with you. It'll be a really good dog around you. You won't have a problem dog around you anymore. And maybe they'll take a you know, page from your book and uh, copy what you're doing, and the dog will have a better life as a result. Because all dogs want to be liked. And they want you to love them. They yes. want to be more wonderful than the human-animal bond. So small dogs, big hearts, they can get it at all bookstores, right? Find bookstores, ask for it where you shop or Amazon. And I think we have links up at Pet Life Radio. So thank you for coming to the party, Darlene. It's been great having you and your little dogs here. Thank you for inviting me. We've had a wonderful time. Okay. Thanks a lot, Darlene. Bye-bye. Thanks, Seth. Bye. Okay, everybody. So I'm going to end with my riddle of the week and a little news from the farm. The riddle is, why is it hard to talk with a goat around? And the answer is, because he always butts in. All right, so that's for the kids listening and the parents who want to tell a joke to their kids today on this hot and sunny non-school day. So I was telling you before about Goats Connects Goat and how quickly they raised goats and sent them, you know, whenever the Canucks won, they sent goats to Africa and how quickly they were making such a big difference to these families because of the goat's birth rate. And so I gave my own goats as an example. I told you all that I have two females and both were pregnant and one daddy goat that we just bought recently. So he met the girls within a week or two of meeting them, got them both pregnant and we were waiting and waiting and waiting for the babies and the babies happened. Two of them were born yesterday and three of them were born uh, the about 18 hours before that. So we've had five baby goats born this week. So you can see how our little herd of three has already grown to eight <laughs> in one season. <laughs> and that's what I'm talking about, about the goat rate. So next week, I will be telling you about the ASPCA's tips on how to spot problems when you see kids acting with dogs and cats and animals. And when it's something to worry about, when it's not and how to redirect them so they don't become problems later in life, so they don't become the kind of kid who's mean to animals, how to teach compassion to kids and how to spot a problem when it happens. I'll be going over that, and on a show coming up, I'll be having on a vet who works at the movie sets, making sure that the animals are treated right, and she also has a, a project called Paw Project, working on uh, stopping people from declawing cats. So we'll be talking about that on a future show. So welcome back to the party next time, and thank you for coming this time. I hope you enjoyed the drinks, the music, the guests, and be good to your little dogs and the little dogs in your life until we talk again. Thank you, everybody. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.